Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. G'day, everyone. My name is Dave Adamson, and I get to welcome you to the Think Orange podcast. Now, as always, our goal for this podcast is to encourage, inspire, and resource you by giving you access to the speakers, the thought leaders, and the experts who are rethinking and reimagining the way ministry can be done. And this week, we're going to hear from Reggie Joyner, the founder and CEO of Orange, and Kristen Ivey, the president of Orange, as they discuss the one question every leader should ask to help parents and volunteers win at your church. Now, you may have gotten into ministry because you loved hanging out with kids and teenagers, but if you've been in ministry for longer than a day, you know your job is actually more about how you influence those who influence kids, which is their parents and their small group leaders. So this week, Reggie and Kristen will unpack the seven critical shifts we should make to change the way we see and relate to volunteers, parents, and guardians. So let's jump straight into this conversation right now. Years ago, I read a story about a conductor of the Boston Symphony Orchestra who had become somewhat famous. You can imagine being on a stage in front of a large gathering in a prominent city in front of some of the most sophisticated and elite people in the community, the standing ovations, the invitations, the popularity. I I guess like any of us, the stage and the crowd can fuel a side of ego that can become unhealthy. And this particular symphony leader developed a reputation as a somewhat arrogant, self-centered, impatient conductor. He actually drove his musicians to the edge. He burned out his best players. But then something happened. It's not really clear why. Maybe a series of events that led to a personal awakening in his life. But one night, as he bowed to the audience and turned around to face his musicians, he had a sobering thought. I am the only one on this platform not actually playing an instrument. During the event, he became increasingly aware of a simple idea that his success was linked to the success of everyone else in the room. He was famous because they were gifted. To state it another way, the only influence he had was to influence those who actually made the music. So, at the next rehearsal, he did something no one expected. When his musicians showed up, he had placed a blank piece of paper on each one of their music stands. And after everyone took their seats, he confessed something to the symphony. He admitted, somewhere along the way, I got lost, and I started believing that I actually made the music. But I realized I was wrong. He told them, you make the music, and it's your talent and expertise that I get the privilege to influence. So from now on, when you arrive at rehearsal, there will always be a blank page on your music stand. I just need you from time to time to answer one question to help me grow as a conductor. What can I do as a leader to help you win. Sometimes, something needs to shift in a culture. Sometimes we need to clarify the question that really matters. And here's what smart leaders who work with kids and teenagers know. An effective ministry has less to do with how you influence kids and more to do with how you influence those who influence kids. It's a subtle but critical shift in how you see ministry. Your job is to ask the right question to those who are in the front lines of ministry. Those who are small group leaders, those who are volunteers, those who are parents, those who are grandparents, those who are guardians. 
So you can imagine giving them a blank page and asking them, what can I do to help you win? I'm sitting here with Kristen Ivey, the president of Orange, and we want to talk about this specific issue. What most of us need to do to show up, right, to help kids and teenagers win. We, most of us, when we came into ministry, we didn't even like adults. We were smart enough to realize that one day, if we were going to actually influence a generation, though, we had to influence the adults that influence kids and teenagers, right? I like adults, Reggie. You don't like adults? <laughs> yeah, you taught public school. I know you like adults. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that is that's true. I mean, I did teach public school as a high school teacher because I enjoyed spending time with high schoolers. There was something about their energy that was a lot of fun. They had so much optimism and kind of angst in a positive way. And so I enjoyed my time with teenagers. But early on, as a teacher, I discovered working with their parents was a little bit harder for me, especially in my young 20s, you know, just getting started. Figuring out how to cooperate with other teachers to influence the same kids in the same families, that was a little bit harder. And I think for any of us, that just tends to be our natural drift. Maybe we got into kids' ministry, we enjoy kids, but then working with the adults that we work with to influence the kids can just be a little bit more challenging. I love having this conversation because I know that we've spent a lot of time working with volunteers and leaders, and we really do want to change the way we all see the volunteer and the parent. So we're gonna go through about six different ideas related to this to help you pivot, to help you shift the mindset maybe of your staff as it relates to what you do in the life of the volunteer and the parent. And the first principle is this, you actually have to change the way you define the win for the parent and the leader, which means you don't make assumptions. I love the illustration. He put a blank page on their music stands. He asked them what it looked like for them to win because, right, sometimes we make assumptions that the win isn't, is the win when it's not the win we think it's the win. Well, it gets confusing sometimes because we know how to measure our success as a ministry leader. Oftentimes, we're held responsible for numbers that we need to report up to you know, our leadership to say, this is how many families attended the event. This is how many kids we have connected to our ministry. These are our numbers for regular attendance. Whether you're measuring that physically or digitally, you have some metric of success as a leader. And it's just easy to forget that our win for our role as a leader, ministry, volunteer, or whatever, isn't the same win that maybe a parent has or a volunteer has. We can get confused. We can start to think the win for them is for them to help us win. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of flips everything around, right? It's, we begin to assume, okay, the win for parents is for them to attend my services so that I can win as a leader. And this is kind of an opportunity to turn that on its head and to begin to think maybe the win for a parent isn't to help our ministry win, but to help the parent win at life, at parenting, at home. Because when a parent wins at life, when a parent wins at home, when they win personally, just as a person in their own individual experience, then they're better able to help their kids win. So yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And I think somewhere in the context of this, the very specific mindset is that we can't expect parents and leaders to help us win inside our ministry if we're not helping them win outside of our ministry. So we've got to change the way we define that win. And then secondly, you know, we've got to change the way we see, we actually view parents and leaders. I mean, sometimes I think we forget they're human. Um, I, I made a list, see if this makes sense. You know, 
parents and leaders, they have spouses, they have jobs, they have stress, they have diets, they have playlists, they have pets, they have debt, they have degrees, they have vacations, they have heartbreaks, they have headaches, they have car trouble, they have moods, they have rent, they have tragedy, they have doubts. Somewhere along the way, we've got to understand they are very real people with real lives outside our ministries, and they are smart, they know things we don't, and they have a very important responsibility that is not just your ministry. I think it's really important to remember that. I'll never forget the first time when I was volunteering for a ministry leader who said to me as a volunteer, the way I recruit volunteers is I want volunteers who have a life. And that might sound judgmental or it it might sound kind of strange, but prior to that experience, everywhere I had gone to volunteer, I had just kind of learned We want to look for volunteers who will tell us they're going to be committed to this ministry. And the number one way to go find a volunteer was to ask, how committed will you be to our ministry? So for me, it was life-altering to hear somebody say, actually, the number one thing I'm looking for in a volunteer is somebody who has outside experience and enjoys their life and they're thriving in life. Because when you find an adult who is thriving in life, they're, they're committed to exercise. They're having ups and downs. They have their own family. They have their own career. They have other things going on. They're going to help students in our ministry learn what it looks like to really live and to have faith as a component and a part of that journey. So don't expect your ministry to matter to them if their everyday faith and their everyday life doesn't matter to you. You've got to change the way you see them so that they know you see them actually. And then third, And this is interesting. This kind of gets us into this space that makes us unique orange and why we use the color orange. You have to change the way they see each other because chances are your parents see the leaders in your church a certain way and the leaders in your church see parents a certain way. And part of our job as staff members or as an organization is to lean in and to shift the way a parent sees a small group leader and the way a small group leader sees a parent because we believe there are two ideas that make orange uniquely orange You know, when you talk about the heart of the family and the light of the church, when you talk about red and yellow combining, and that's simply this, and we talk about this all the time, that no one has the potential to influence a kid like a parent, and that a parent is not the only influence a kid needs. So you're influencing two specific influences, the leader and the parent, and you're shaping how they see each other. It's so important to think about how they see each other, and maybe that's even more challenging now than ever before. I just think it's so easy right now to lose trust with each other, for a volunteer to maybe lose trust with a parent because they think, you know, there's something that's not happening at home that should, or maybe they think that a parent's out of touch with something they should be more in touch with. It's easy for parents to lose trust with a volunteer. Maybe the volunteers doesn't have the same political views, or maybe they don't have the same faith views, or maybe they don't have the same life views. And we like to elevate differences or disqualify each other. But now's an opportunity to train volunteers and parents like never before, that it matters the way that we trust and respect each other for the sake of the kids and teenagers that we're influencing. That's good. So, so change the way you define a win for the parent and the leader, change the way you see the parent and the leader, change the way they see each other as a parent and a leader, And then here's another thought, and see if this makes sense. Change the way you show up for the parent and the leader. I mean, again, we have these old yardsticks, and, you know, the pandemic that's happened recently kind of has shaken that to its core. We always like to measure our success by who shows up in our building and who shows up at our programs. But this is a reminder, right? 
that, that success isn't really measured by who shows up in our buildings, but success is really measured for us, or the new yardstick is actually how we show up for each other and how we show up for parents and how we show up for leaders. I think that matters because when we begin to form a pattern of asking, how are leaders showing up for me? How are parents showing up for me? It gets tiring. I mean, don't we feel a little bit defeated? We feel like we're always working at this, working at this, working at this. It's kind of exhausting. When we have a practice in our own life of showing up for others, there's something about that that fuels us. We got into ministry because we knew that we were serving others, that we were called to serve others. When we live out a life of service to our volunteers, to our parents, to whoever that is, it fuels us and reminds us why we got into this to begin with. Okay, and I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, but you don't know how many volunteers or parents I have. How can I show up for all of them? Well, that's kind of not the point. The point is that you model for them how to show up for each other by doing something that we all know is a principle. Do for a few what you wish you could do for many. Because isn't it true that at the end of all of this, you want your parents and your small group leaders and your volunteers to show up for kids and teenagers the way you show up for them? So the do for a few principle is a principle to put in motion here. So when you show up for them, you're actually showing them what it looks like to do ministry. You know, it's interesting when you say that. I think in my own life, I like to measure all the people I didn't show up for. I'm much more likely maybe to hear from the volunteer I forgot to show up for or from the parent that I haven't connected with. And so in my mind, there's this running list of these are the people I haven't shown up for. These are the people I failed. These are the people I didn't you know, go out and serve today. And it's important to let ourselves have a little bit of grace and lean in and go, but I'm doing for a few, I'm staying the course, I'm serving those that I know I'm called to serve, and let that move us to continue doing what we know we're supposed to do. Yeah, and, and here's another idea. Change how you do events for leaders and parents. Because sometimes we're confused. We think the event is an end in and of itself, and that's actually the goal. When the event isn't the goal, the event is actually leveraged as a catalyst to do something more important than the event, which is to be a step a step into a relationship. So in the context of your events, you have to measure them by how they're being used or how they are actually being leveraged as steps to relationships. That's never been more important than this last year. For so many of us, we had to change our events. Maybe it always happened in the building on Sunday morning. Maybe it always happened in a particular room. But this year, we've discovered more than ever that our events are going to change. Our events may be virtual. Our events may you know, shift in the way that we do them, who leads them, how long they are, where, what platforms we utilize. Things are always changing. But the important thing is to remember why we do an event to begin with. When we remember that the event was only ever a step to relationship, then we're reminded that we can always try new things as long as it's continuing to be a step to that relationship. Yeah, that's good. And we want to add one more thing to your list as you're thinking in terms of how to actually help parents and leaders win. And that's this idea. Change how you communicate to parents and leaders. There's several things here we could spend some time talking about, but your communication is, is more vital than you probably have ever realized. Um, your posture, for example. Your, your posture in how you learn and lean into and listen to parents and leaders is, is a piece of this because they get a sense from that and how important they really are to you and if you really care about them or not. Yes, I think one of the ways that we change our posture and maybe the language that we use when we're interacting with volunteers and parents is we also maybe change our motive. 
It helps me to take a few minutes just to remember why we're in this to begin with, change our motive, make sure that we kind of go back to why we're influencing volunteers, why we're influencing parents to begin with. And when our motive is changed, our posture will change, our language will change, and volunteers and parents will feel that difference. That's good. And, and I think as you think about that, you might as well go ahead and decide how are you going to train parents? How are you going to communicate to them not only what you want them to know to help your ministry win again, but what they need to know to, to win in life, what they need to know to win in their own personal space. Because in the context of, of your ministry, you have this strategic, and we believe this, you have this strategic opportunity as a church in a community to be a light for the people in that community, even families who don't go to your church. So what does it look like to help them win at life to win as they lead so they can be better leaders in the context of your, of your ministry. But it means that you have to start with what helps them win. So what does your annual plan look like to train them? And when you ask that question, it's also important to think about the platforms that you're gonna use for that plan. If you were to train your volunteers and say, our annual plan to train volunteers is to get them to all come in once a year and we're gonna spend three hours together and they're gonna walk out so trained that they're able to do ministry for the next year. That might not be the best plan. When you think about how people are motivated, how people are inspired, how people learn, it oftentimes happens in small segments consistently over time. So the way that you communicate, it matters what kind of platforms you use, how often you're communicating, how are you staying in front of volunteers and parents consistently with the messaging and the service that you hope that they will receive. I'm gonna add one little idea at the end of this. You're not a conductor, you're not an orchestra, you don't have the music stands that you can put a blank piece of paper in front of. But what would it look like? What would it look like if you just circled around you a handful of your parents or volunteers and you actually did that exercise? And you gave them a blank piece of paper and you got in the habit of asking them, what does it look like for me to help you win? Because you're making the music, right? You're showing up on the front lines with kids and teenagers in your homes and in your spaces and in your small groups. So I need to help you win, not simply in those spaces, but in your personal life. This is a great exercise to simply check your motive and to remind yourself of this simple idea that if you want parents to help you win inside your ministry, if you want volunteers and leaders to help you win inside your ministry, you've got to help them win outside your ministry. Well, that was great stuff, and we really hope this episode was helpful for you as your church works to help your parents and leaders win. And if you'd like to pick up some free resources that go along with this episode of the podcast, then just go to orangeleaders.com. That website again, orangeleaders.com. Well, as always, if this episode was helpful for you, we'd love if you gave us a review and star rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And before we go, I'd just love to personally thank you for being part of the Think Orange podcast community. My name is Dave Adamson. And remember, when you think next generation or church strategy, think orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.